Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Our top story on the KRMG Morning News with Dan Potter. We're gathering reaction to the court ruling that came out of State Judge Carolyn Wall's chambers on Friday. But it really didn't get much attention until an Associated Press story hit over the weekend. Judge Wall throwing out the lawsuit against the city by the three still-living survivors of the 1921 race massacre, Viola Fletcher, Hughes Van Ellis, and Lessie Benningfield. Alessi Benningfield Randall. Last year, Judge Wall ruled against the request to dismiss the case and allowed it to continue. But in a brief issued with the ruling on Friday, the judge now says she is persuaded by the arguments of the city, the regional chamber, and others, and is dismissing the lawsuit. And that's where we're going to begin our Monday with the mayor, visiting with Tulsa Mayor G.T. Bynum. Good morning. Good morning. we got a lot to get to this morning. Is it okay if we keep you a little bit longer than usual? You bet. All right. Uh, first of all, how was vacation? Everything good? Well, there were no disasters while we were gone, which is how we measure every Bynum family vacation <laughs> while I am there. So, not yes. called back. Good. Right, right. Yeah, no, it was great to be with my family and get some time away. We have asked you before about this race massacre lawsuit, and you haven't been able to say much while it was before the court. So now that Judge Wall has dismissed it, what more would you like to say about it, both the suit and its dismissal? Well, uh, and there is still the potential for it to be appealed. So I think I'm a little bit limited in what I can say, but I, I will just say that, uh, you know, first of all, that I'm grateful that it was dismissed. Uh, the, the basis of it is the notion that, uh, that the city and the chamber and others uh, were responsible for the race massacre and somehow benefit from it to this day. And I just think that couldn't be further from the truth. I, I think about what a better city Tulsa would be if uh, the race massacre had never occurred, uh, how, uh, you know, what it would mean to still be known as Black Wall Street, how Tulsa would have benefited over the last 102 years uh, with having Black Wall Street here and, and vibrant and unharmed. So I, I just completely reject th those notions that have been presented. And, and I don't think that this generation of Tulsans benefits from the acts of criminals over a century ago. Um, but but more important to me than than this lawsuit is what we're doing to make Tulsa the city that I think most Tulsans want it to be for future generations of our city, uh, regardless of race or what part of town people happen to live in. Uh, and that's what I've run on twice for mayor and, and been elected both times under that platform of making Tulsa City where every kid has an equal opportunity for a great life. And there is so much underway right now in that regard. And my hope is that we as a community can work together in building that kind of city rather than being distracted by by things like this lawsuit. I think it's important, though, to distinguish between broad calls for reparations for uh, all of those who have been generationally affected 
and calls for some sort of remuneration for these three individuals still living who were there on that day and and who suffered personally directly because of this. Would you not agree? Well, and that is what the judge in the last round narrowed this to. It, it originally began with the much broader uh, consideration. And in the last round, when the judge narrowed the scope of the case, she narrowed it down to those three individuals. And uh, I, I don't think that you would find anyone, at least that I'm aware of in Tulsa, who's going to argue that the victims of the race massacre uh, should be done right. Uh, the, the challenge is do you financially penalize this generation of Tulsans for something that criminals did a century ago? And, and that is, in my mind, the real, the, the nuance and the fine line in this as to whether or not it's a matter of resolving that through litigation uh, or it's a matter of uh, trying to do that as a community. And I think those are two different things. 735, Mayor G.T. Bynum is with us. Jen Townley's here. Hello. Good morning, Mayor. Good morning. How is the storm cleanup going in Tulsa? Uh, it has gone, I think, really well. It's ahead of schedule, as, as best I can tell, uh, with really, thankfully, the, the work that city crews and Oklahoma Department of Transportation crews have been able to do in cleaning up debris has moved far faster than I was expecting. Uh, we are finalizing this week the contract that the city will have with uh, other other crews, private sector crews, to come through and basically finish the job and finish cleaning things up. Uh, but I just can't say enough about our city street crews and the Oklahoma Department of Transportation and Oklahoma Turnpike Authority crew been going down every street in town and picking up so much of this stuff before we even have to hire an independent crew. What about that temporary green waste site? Is that going to be around open a lot longer? It, it, it remains open, yes, uh, because we want uh, folks to be able to bring stuff to that. Uh, in fact, we've got folks from neighboring communities now who are utilizing that as well. Um, and so we still we know there's still a lot of stuff on the ground that people are picking up. And we want to maintain that as an outlet for people if they want to use it. Yeah, so I drive around Midtown. I, I wonder how many rats are living under these massive piles of, of timber that are now on the uh, the curbs. And the longer they stay there, the, the greater the problem might end up being. Do you think the city's green waste collection system overall? I mean, we, we had an email from somebody who runs a, a landscaping service saying the city doesn't charge enough for private contractors to dump there. And it's kind of, they think it's unusual that the city runs it at all. Oh, I, I've never heard a complaint about it okay. <laughs> in all the time that I have uh, been at the city. That's the first time I've heard any complaint about utilization of it. And, and the reality is there's two benefits from that. I mean, one, it, it and probably the primary one is it's diverting green waste from uh, our our trash to energy plant. Uh, and it, it is far less expensive for people to take stuff and, and have it dumped there 
than it is for it to be going for us to be paying for the tonnage to go to the trash energy plant. We'll flesh out his arguments and maybe explore that a little bit more sometime. Uh, yesterday, the third anniversary of the Supreme Court's McGirt decision, justice is ruling that much of eastern Oklahoma, almost all of Tulsa, is still Indian country. Some tribes, in fact, have started calling July 9th Sovereignty Day. A week before last, the U.S. Circuit Court, the Tenth Circuit, ruled that even traffic tickets are subject to McGirt, and Tulsa cops can't t- well. At least the city can't collect the fine. This is a case you say you're ready to take to the Supreme Court, yeah? Well, I think that we have been forced into this position. Uh, the city has, just as the tribes have on a, another case that was following McGirt uh, just a little over a year ago, uh, where they felt it necessary to take a question to the Supreme Court. And, and the reason we're having to do this is you had a 5 to 4 Supreme Court decision. And in that, the court basically washed their hands of having to deal with the aftermath of that decision and said, well, Congress can clean all that up. That's their job. And Congress hasn't done anything. Uh, And so that has forced uh, the tribal nations, the state of Oklahoma and the city of Tulsa to go to the only other mediator we have access to and questions that arise from a practical consideration stemming from this larger decision, and that is through the court system. Uh, I hate having to go through this. I I have so much respect for our tribal nations. Uh, I'm grateful for the partnership we have with them. I think it has been resolved that we are in uh, the the Cherokee Creek and Osage reservations, and uh, and we want to work with them, and, and we're proud of the fact that Tulsa is now the largest city in the nation that is in a tribal reservation. In fact, we're in three. But there are practical considerations that come out of that that we haven't had to deal with since the city, uh, since the state of Oklahoma was founded in 1907, and we're having to work through those now. So uh, it is important to me that, and I've communicated with both Chief Hill and Chief Hoskin, like we want to continue working through these issues with them if we can work through them without going through the courts, that'd be great. Uh, but as a last resort, yes, but we we have to ask the Supreme Court to look at this. What would you? And I, I want to be clear because that you know the the big question is well, uh, you know who collects a fine? And I've talked with Chief Franklin. Like that is really not that is a secondary issue for us as a city. That the primary question is are you know, who is writing the laws that Tulsa police officers are enforcing and do the laws that the Tulsa police officers are enforcing apply to everybody in town? Uh, And that is a complicated question. This appeals court ruling is saying, no, it doesn't. And and the response from the tribes, which I think is a a fair one, and I think they're trying to be helpful. They've been put in this position as much as we have, but they're position is, okay, well, then just write the ticket and send it to us, and we will handle the judicial process. The The problem is, though, you're putting Tulsa police officers in the position of, one, figuring out when they just, let's use a traffic issue as an example. Yeah. They pull somebody over. They've got to figure out if they're a tribal citizen or not, if they are, which tribe they're from, and then they have to know what the traffic laws are for each tribe and the city and the state of Oklahoma, and that's an awful lot to be asking of our officers uh all of a sudden they've gone from having to understand you know municipal code to three potentially four different 
sets of laws. And it creates, my concern is a level of, of inequality where you have laws being established by people who don't even live in Tulsa uh, and are yet setting the rules for here. Whereas the, the elected city council that we have here, people vote in those elections, whether you're a tribal citizen or not. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody elects our city council, which sets our laws here in Tulsa. Uh, so that that is the, the the challenge on this particular issue for me. We do hear people say it is cross-deputized, but that's a part of cross-deputization there. You just pointed out that I don't think people realize, uh, you know, you that's a whole other set of laws then that you have to uh, study and become proficient in as a, as a law enforcer. That is exactly right. That, and that is my concern. Since you're not only the mayor of Tulsa, but also a KRMG election night analyst, got to ask you about city council politics from the outside looking in. Um, I, just my personal opinion, I kind of always thought Councillor Phil Lakin was maybe your handpicked successor to be the next mayor. A, is that accurate? And B, are you disappointed he's decided not to run to replace you next year? Uh, well, I'm glad you asked that because, no, I have zero handpicked successors. As somebody who loves history, uh, you don't find a lot of examples where that worked out well. <laughs> so, no, I don't have I, I've told our team in my office, our job is to leave things as strong as they can for whoever the next mayor is and then to do everything we can to position them to be successful, regardless of who it is going to be. Uh, you mentioned Phil, though. I mean, I, I can probably count on. Uh, well, <laughs> it's probably. Phil and, and Jack Blair, our city attorney, are probably the two people I've worked with most closely in the time that I've been at City Hall. Uh, those are probably my two closest collaborators over the span of my time on the city council and in the mayor's office. Uh, I think he is one of the finest public servants that you'll find anywhere because he is doing it for the right reasons. Um, he's doing it to give back, not to advance, obviously, not to advance a political career, not with any other agenda, just he loves Tulsa like I do and views service on the council as a way to give back. So uh, I, I'm really I'm, I'm grateful, one, for his service on the council. I think he would be a wonderful mayor. Uh, and if it's not this time, perhaps in the future. Uh, but but I I understand also having to make that decision uh, on whether or not you're going to run for this job. It's a very demanding job. Uh, and I think Phil, because he served on the council for so long uh, with with different mayors in this job, understands the 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 weight that comes with it and the demands that come with it. And it has to be the right time for you and your family. Well, thank you for taking a little extra time getting caught up this morning. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye. Have a great week. G.T. Bynum.